0: welcome to so news here with kevin clark i am kevin clark joined on a wednesday afternoon we're sitting here monitoring trey lance watch hello lindsey jones
1: how are you i'm okay where, where, what will you remember about the day that trey lance lost the backup quarterback job where were you when you heard this
0: monumental? <sighs> i news? was uh i was here in westchester county new york um the you know, the the whole town exploded when it happened. It was just crazy. Uh, you know, it just lots of we it's 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 a historic day. Um somehow this is a surprise to people on Twitter. Um the Niners were trying to trade him for months. Uh he was never seriously considered for the starting job. Uh Kyle Shannon told anybody who would listen that Brock Purdy was gonna be the starter, and somehow this this somehow flew through on Twitter like an earthquake. Um we're going to get to a bunch of things today, but we're going to start with Lance, uh, your thoughts on a couple of things. The first being, obviously, he's number three quarterback behind Sam Darnold. Um, but then beyond that, they're, quote, evaluating all options on Trey Lance, which, by the way, they've been doing for about a year. Um, and uh, and and the, the, the initial rumor. Is it the Vikings might be interested? I saw a report uh, from NFL Network saying that they were rumored before the draft. I'm not sure why that matters. It's a different regime now, different coach, but we'll put that aside. Um, You think what about San Francisco?
1: I mean, I think this is just ultimately, we're going to look back on this as just one of the worst trades and draft moves in NFL history. And (laughs) uh, it's really incredible that um, it hasn't really, at least not as of yet, hasn't really done anything to tarnish Kyle Shanahan's reputation in large part because Brock Purdy kind of bailed his ass out and, you know, he was able to kind of continue uh, directing quarterbacks the way that he wants to. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, when we go back to when the Niners made that huge trade, giving away multiple first round picks, moving all the way up, Everything that went into that draft process, where are they going to take Mac Jones? Is it, you know, ultimately it ended up being Trey Lance having to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, Lance getting her. I mean, it's just, it's just a really wild saga. And like, I feel bad for Trey Lance and all of this, because I think a lot of the things that have transpired in this have been kind of beyond his control, right? He had, was like a finger or a thumb injury mm-hmm. rookie training camp that really uh, inhibited his ability to take reps. Um, that really wasn't a competition his rookie year. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback as much as they tried to make it out to be a competition early in camp. Like that was Jimmy's job. Jimmy helped get the Niners to an NFC championship game that year. And then Lance got hurt in week two, right? Week two last year. mm mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, the the weird rain game against the Bears. And then
1: yeah. And that was it. So, like, we don't know anything more about Trey Lance now than we did three years ago. And that's really unfortunate for him. Um, and ultimately it's just the Niners gave up so much to get so Insane. little out of Insane.
0: that. Insane. And 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 it's interesting because I saw people say, Well, we like you said, well, we don't know. He didn't have this opportunity as rookie year, didn't have this opportunity as second year. Well, guess what? At this point in his career, we don't know if he's good is not an excuse to buy more time. Okay. That's this is NFL careers are short. The proving ground is short. Like, yep, gotta move on. I understand it. I want to extend what you said. You said it's one of the worst decisions, whatever. Is there a a smarter team that has made a worse decision in your time following the NFL? Ooh. Because I was going through it. Or a little earlier today, as soon as I saw this news, and I'm thinking, well, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of some others, like you know the the Eagles giving Carson Wentz the deal that they gave him. Um, you know, they obviously they went up to get. Oh, Carson by the Wentz way, and by then, the way,
0: I'll, the whole hall, a hallmark of a, of a good franchise. Is that both the Niners and the Eagles were able to recover from those things? But I don't actually yeah. don't think in the moment rewarding Carson Wentz for near MVP play in 2017 was was as bad as what this was.
1: Yeah, I think that one. It's a move that like we're, looks worse in retrospect, kind of knowing what we know now. Oh shoot! I mean, also like franchises that we think are smart are franchises. Well, there's like five. Who think there's like smart. five. <laughs> there's like five. Right. Who are smart franchises, right? Yeah, it's yeah.
0: Like I mean, like the Cowboys. Rattle them up, didn't we do this a couple episodes ago? We did. The best franchises, (laughs) but the Cowboys are not a smart franchise. So when they they like get bullied into giving Zeke Elliott a ton of money when he flies from Cabo, like that's not. I don't consider that smart.
1: Yeah, like, and I think like the Broncos would consider themselves like historically smart franchise, but like they hadn't been a smart franchise when they made the 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 Russell trade. And right. gave him the contract. I mean, they were in complete upheaval, brand new ownership. Nathaniel Hackett was the head coach. A lot of things that had transpired that made him not a smart franchise. You know. Um, yeah, I'm
0: going through it. I literally Googled list of NFL teams and the Niners made <laughs> of the teams I considered uh, smart. This is the dumbest decision um, for a couple of reasons. And I said this at the time because. Someone, one of the tape guys, the draft guys said something really smart. I think at this point, I'm sorry, I thought it was smart. We were all wrong, but that Lance was a scheme expansion, not a scheme change for Shanahan. The problem is, is that before you expand the offense, you have to be able to run the offense. And what that is, is just firing passes in there accurately running the sort of stuff that they want to run. um, And whether you're mobile or not, like there's, you just have to run the Shanahan place. Okay. Um, it's interesting to me because I think, I think there's a disconnect and this is, this is league wide. And there's a disconnect between what coaches value and what fans think coaches value, what coaches value is running the offense is doing what we're telling you to do. And you you even saw that when I was, when I was, um, reporting, reporting the little flirt piece, like Michael Daniel was like Rogers, like the fact that he has audible control is astounding to us because we don't like audibles in the Shanahan system. We like just doing what the play is go and do that. We, we gave you a play, go do it. That's the Shanahan system. And that's why someone like Kirk cousins is hugely valued. That's why Ryan Tannehill, who's just throwing these blind throws, they love that stuff because this is what you're asked to do. Plant the foot, throw blind, go. Someone was telling me in Atlanta that someone like Desmond Ritter is a really good fit because he can make the throws coaches want off of play action, okay? Those are the sort of things people value. And it felt to me, just watching the last couple of years, that as high as I was on the Trey Lance pick initially, Um, And I wasn't like Mr. Trey Lance, but I did think that this was was a smart move to sort of – I remember Breer had reported around the time of the trade that the the Niners just wanted to control the process. It was a quarterback-heavy draft. The Niners were kind of in limbo. Let's just take control of the process. I thought that was a pretty good idea at the time, um, at least a defensible idea. Problem is is that there were just obviously some basic things Kyle Shanahan wants that don't line up with what Trey Lance was able to do early in his career. It happens. They've they're they're going to recover from it. They're a super Bowl, legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. I I, I just I mean I, this is like the world's biggest elevated big swing draft capital version of mistakes happen. Oops.
1: Yeah, and I I mean I you know I think there's been a lot of like not necessarily revisionist history, but like we've all tried to kind of get in, inside Kyle Shanahan's brain, which is somewhat terrifying. Mm. To try to do that and figure out, like, okay, well, when they made this move, why did they do it? And it was a lot of going into, okay, well, who is Jimmy Garoppolo? What sort of offense can you run with with Jimmy? What is the ceiling with Jimmy? And it seemed pretty clear that they had believed they had hit their ceiling with Jimmy Garoppolo. He was hurt all the time, Um, and he was hurt all the time. and, you know, I think we've spent a lot of time um, offline. And then certainly, like, I know other pods on the the Ringer feed. I know uh, Nora and Steven have talked about this a lot. Nora and I personally have talked about this a lot, trying to figure out kind of like, well, what, is, what does Kyle Shanahan really want as a quarterback, in, in a quarterback? And it's just, it's like a weird proposition to try to think, like, does he want just like a chat GPT quarterback? Does he want just like an AI quarterback that he can just completely control? Does he want somebody who has toughness? I mean, that's the word that he keeps talking about with Brock Purdy all the time is how tough he is. Uh, Nora was at Niners camp a couple of weeks ago and that was her big takeaway was that all Kyle Shanahan wants is like a tough, healthy quarterback, mm-hmm. which he got the tough part with Brock. We'll see if he so what, has he the healthy it? part.
0: Can I answer to Kenny Pickett? I mean, but that's like it. Kirk
1: Cousins, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Kirk Cousins plays through a lot of shit. Like, I don't think we would, when we're rattling off like toughest guys in the NFL, like we'd probably have to go a long way before we got to Kirk Cousins. But if anything, the quarterback kind of showed us that like, yeah, Kirk takes a lot of hits and plays through a lot of stuff, even if the Vikings are lying about it, which they might get in trouble for at some point. Um, but I I just don't know, like, what does he want? And does has he found what he wants now in... Purdy and Darnold.
0: You just keep looking. If you're Shanahan, you just keep looking. Even if you think you found it, you just keep looking. Um, I want to talk real quick about quarterback, the contractor, whatever you want to call it, whoever designed Kirk Cousins trophy room, who built a shelf for the Lombardi on his own whim. That guy's, that's one of the boldest construction moves I've ever seen in my life. Like really, it's amazing. I can't believe he did it. I can't believe some random contractor was like, I'm going to guilt you into winning Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins. That to me was one of the highlights of the series. Um, I don't know what Kyle Shanahan wants. Um, I think that they think they know. Again, not to go back to this Rogers piece, but like I remember McDaniel saying that they always fantasized about having someone like like Aaron Rodgers run the quote unquote Shanahan McVay system, whatever you want to call it. But is that true? I don't know. Um, I think sometimes they want, they want robots. They want sh- shanbots. bots. I don't know what you would call it. But then again, Matthew Stafford takes a lot of risks downfield. He's a gunslinger and he, he won a super bowl, which by the way, Kyle Shannon has not done as a head coach. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think there's a kind of, a, you know, when you see a thing, I think they know they want Brock Purdy right now. Sam Darnold being the backup. Like I, if they can get draft capital for Trey Lance, great, but I just don't think this is, I, I don't think having that, that sort of situation going into the season where we're wondering if, and and the problem is the fans and the media are just going to overrate Trey Lance. And anytime Brock Purdy struggles, they're going to say, well, why don't, why not give a chance to Trey Lance? We don't know if he's good. And it's like, I think the coaches obviously know whether or not he's good enough for them.
1: Is there a market for Trey Lance here? As we said on August 23rd,
0: not, not anything significant. Not anything significant, but do you not want that hanging over your head going into the season? Just move on from him and just see what happens. If Brock Birdie's healthy enough, and we we think he is, then just move on. Tampa Bay, Atlanta, maybe take Minnesota, a fight. Minnesota. Send him home. Yeah, sure. Minnesota. Um I think the He's Cardinals like are probably tanking
1: somewhere in Minnesota, um, right? Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: nearish to um, Minneapolis. Uh
0: I'm trying to think here.
1: I remember they, did joint, remember they did joint practices there, and it was like a really big deal last mm-hmm. summer because Trey Lance was back in, was in Minnesota, and they like brought out his whole high school and stuff.
0: Yeah, what a mo- That was that this was Apex it. Mountain. That's-
1: Rewa- Rewatchables. <laughs> Can we do a Rewatchables, Trey Lance? It'll be like a six-minute oh, episode. Oh, my
0: God. Um. All right. That we'll put a pen in it. There'll probably be a trade tonight that will get us back to our microphones and ruin the entire segment. Are you excited for that? Uh,
1: I ha- I'm having dinner with a bunch of NFL writers tonight, so uh, it'll be a round table. Just pull out a microphone. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring my stuff plus my seven year old. I'm sure she'll have some Trey Lance takes. Although I'll we'll say I am taking her to a football game this weekend, so she is prepping her her football
0: football football game
1: i mean it's an exhibition football game i'm gonna take her to see the oh
0: it's not like colorado state
1: uh i don't think they play in week zero um i am taking her to see the rams and broncos uh but mostly we're going because she really is into horses and the broncos have a live horse mascot named thunder and a uh mascot guy in a costume that's a horse so we're gonna go see the horses
0: I'll say this. There are cheaper ways to see horses in Colorado. Uh,
1: fair. But, you know, she's, we'll watch some football. It'll be fun. I got cheap tickets.
0: Um, all right. Let's move on to running back news. So there's two parts of this. Jonathan Taylor is allowed to pursue a trade. Just came over Twitter. Stephen Holder reports from ESPN that there are two offers. We don't know what those look like. On the other hand, Josh Jacobs is not allowed to pursue a trade. The Raiders basically said nothing has changed as far as his holdout goes. Um I saw a Fox Sports list of the best fits for Jonathan Taylor. Dolphins, Bears, Bills, Broncos, Bucks, 4B's and the Dolphins. Um the Dolphins fit the bill, I'd say, as far as not just how much they value the running game, but also the Chris Greer being aggressive whenever somebody hits the market. Um I've got a lot of questions about this, but I want to start here. Do you agree with my take that? I guess the way I'd put it is this whole thing is fake. Like the Colts know there's nothing to lose by saying, you know what? Go find a trade. And then nobody wants to extend them for Nick Chubb money and nobody offers a huge draft pick. This is almost – it's the cousin of what Bill Belichick did for the last 15 years, which is go test free agency, go see you don't have a market because it's the NFL and you're not a super-duper star, and then come back to us for $8 million a year. That's how this works, and I'm not saying Taylor's going to get eight. Um, But what I am saying is is that it feels to me like this is – sort of a formality i actually don't expect jonathan taylor to get traded yeah i
1: mean a, a report and look i trust uh trust steven holder uh incredible his reporting on the colts um but saying like there's an offer is different than there's an offer of a first round pick or a package of picks that equates to a first Well, oh, round i'm pick. sure
0: there's a lot of gms who are like we'll give you a fifth round pick and then we'll let him play out his contract yeah,
1: exactly so um i tend to like look we're cynical old NFL writers so um we tend to you and me tend to look at things as like yeah this isn't like uh oh look they're gonna do right by Jonathan Taylor and let him out and let him go and give him this fresh start they're absolutely not trying to do this in good faith and like you you deserve this fresh start in a place that's going to pay you the money they're doing this to kind of like rub his nose in it make him feel bad like this is just a way of like kind of making him feel even shittier about. You asking You want to test the market?
0: Wants. Go ahead. Yeah, pal. and this happens
1: all the time. It's what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. It's what the Chargers did with Austin Eckler. Mm. Um, and like, if somehow they f- they find that there's a first a, a team who's going to offer a first, then great. But the chances of all of them getting this kind of best sa- best case scenario ending is is really really low, and uh, it's just. It just sucks for him.
0: I actually have one additional nugget, which is that, uh, Sheffer tweeted this, but it's also via Stephen Holder that the Colts have given Jonathan Taylor until Tuesday to find a trade. So six days, which from is now.
1: also, I think the roster deadline is that 53 man rosters sure. are doing Tuesday.
0: Yeah, sure. Good luck, buddy.
1: The other thing like this sucks, it sucks. Um, like, the running back we we kind of talked i think we've talked about this and like the running backs have like lost the war right like they're not this isn't turning around right like the running backs aren't all of a sudden going to like start making more money this has been this has been happening for years the franchise tag number has been dropping precipitously year after year after year mm-hmm. it's not recovering for running backs it's recover it other positions are skyrocketing um so i get why there's like individual guys jonathan taylor Josh Jacobs notably right now that are like trying to like fight the good fight for the position. I just don't know where it goes from here for them. I don't know where it goes for this position. I'm incredibly interested at like, why do you play running back in the NFL anymore? It's because if you're like a five foot 10 to six foot one, 210 pound kind of fast guy that's like your only option to play football is it because that's what you've done playing high school because you're a better athlete than the rest of your teammates but like why would I'm you want to play this and fast position?
0: And to become a podcaster um <laughs> so i think part of it and this is the disconnect with the football world is that running back matters significantly in high school and college and you can be a star and there aren't that many guys with that body type that would be good at a bunch of other things i mean like presumably maybe play linebacker if you're if you're a bigger running back but if you're 5'11 are you i mean i guess some of the speedsters could play cornerback essentially uh some of them could play wide receiver but it's a body type that uh, at that weight um and if you had that skill set you just can't turn around and say i'm actually not going to play, play running back yeah. beyond that Um, if the choice is NFL or not NFL, I'd choose NFL. Um, and so you see that now, like, I mean, even just watching some of the young men that University of Miami recruited who will all who are freshmen now and will win national championships or multiple, multiple (laughs) national championships, um, in Coral Gables, um, like just looking at them, it's like, these guys are just like mega athletes. And it's like, at some point, yeah, you know what they should have done? Should have played soccer. Like that's my, that's always been my solution. And a shortstop. You want to make a bunch of money at, at 5'11", 200 pounds? You go play defensive midfielder, buddy. That's it. You go play in Saudi Arabia for $200 million a year. Are they too
1: big to be F1 That'll drivers? Solve the
0: running backs crisis. Mm. F1 drivers are very tiny. There's only two drivers who are like lanky. Ricardo. And you can't really be thick.
1: I'm totally just like hijacking. Uh, no, this stuff. so
0: it's a uh, George Russell and Esteban Ocon.
1: Um, Ricard, uh, he looks tall on, yeah. on Netflix.
0: Um, He's not. He's normal. He's normal. Um,
1: but yeah, I just like it's. It. I just don't know where this like positional value debate goes from here. Um, because if the Colts, who it
0: goes in circles. Goes, Spoiler alert: it goes in circles, but never
1: like increases in value. No. Because like, if the Colts, no. If the Colts are a team who have cap space, don't, in theory, have to pay him a fortune um, to to make him happy and to sign him. It's not like the deals are crazy and probably need help for their rookie quarterback. Like, if they're not willing to do it, I don't, just out of principle, because nobody is going to pay a running back now. I don't really know what hope there is for anybody else. I mean, that's really what I think why this offseason the discourse has changed a lot is because like, it's one thing to not pay Austin Eckler, I guess, even though he's really productive. Like he is a very highly productive player. But if Saquon is not getting the type of deal that he wants, if Josh Jacobs, who just led the NFL in rushing, isn't getting the deal, if Jonathan Taylor, who recently led the NFL in rushing and is still very young, if those guys, if that caliber of guys can't get paid, there's no hope for anybody else.
0: Yep. And my solutions are pretty consistent. Be able to open up the contract after year one, instead of having to wait to restructure or renegotiate rather Um, more performance based bonuses for things like all pro Um, that would solve that kind of stuff. Um, I would say that performance bonuses for rookie contracts on all positions but running back in particular, because they're more likely to have all pro type seasons in their first couple of years um, would solve a lot. Also the imbalance of just how much of a bargain rookie contracts are like if you have, if you have a first, like I understand that like GMs all want to just sort of obviously it's just what you do in sports. You, you extract the most value from the smallest amount of money. Right. But Um, it would be probably be better for everybody, including veterans on the player side. If it was, if there were guys who weren't, you know, first team, all pro who are making $7 million a year, um, at, at different positions. Anyway, that's, that's, that's another discussion. I don't want to do how to fix the running back market. We've done that a hundred times. And by the way, like I, I asked it on my camp tour and everybody was like, well, people inside the league were like, well, why does it need fixing? Yeah. They like like it. it. They like it. They're
1: they're quite happy. Josh
0: Jacobs, anything?
1: No. Is he going to show
0: up? He's going to show up at some point, right?
1: Is he going to be or is he going to do the Le'Veon Bell?
0: I'm not. No deals imminent. I don't know. Le'Veon Bell, it felt like he was that that lasted longer going into the year he skipped. I don't know.
1: Um, Well, because it was his second year. It was the second time he had been tagged. So it just really felt like it had been going for a really long time.
0: Chris Jones also hasn't shown up. Andy Reid, a little bit fatalist, said said the beat goes on, game goes on uh, if he doesn't show up, which is actually quite similar to what Jim Hersey said about Jonathan Taylor. This is a constant theme. We're just moving on here. Uh, we have to, have to, game goes on. Um, so this is a much bigger deal than Josh Jacobs or, or Jonathan Taylor or Le'Veon Bell or any of these guys. Um, This is like the quote, by the way, is there's been no communication. Whatever happens, happens. The game goes on. Um, That was the Andy Reid quote, similar to some other folks in the organization. The last couple of days have been talking about like that. Um, He's one of the best players in football. This is the type of thing that can derail a defense um, to not have a game record like that in the middle of the field. I weirdly feel like because we have the default of contract stuff just gets sorted out, like the Zach Martin stuff, right? I weirdly feel like nobody thinks this is a big deal. It's a huge deal in
1: Well the it wasn't a huge deal on August first. It wasn't really a huge deal right. on August tenth. It's getting to be a big deal on August twenty third. And, you know, we're a week away from rosters being set, only a couple of weeks away from the start of the season. So the the closer you get to like the real deadlines, then it's you know, then it's a big deal. And I'm You know, I think this honestly kind of goes back to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier, where we're talking about smart franchises and who makes mistakes, who doesn't. I think there's been a little of like, oh, well, they'll get this figured out because right now the Chiefs are a really smart franchise. They've managed their books really well. They've done a pretty good job of keeping most of their stars happy. Um, You know, some blips here and there, the end of the Tyron Matthew era there wasn't uh super perfect it wasn't exactly smooth but in large part like they take care of their guys and there's just you know i've had this sense that like they'll figure it out they'll they'll do right by chris jones chris jones will find a deal that he's happy with that'll make him more in line with the top defensive tackles at the position i mean there've been a couple other deals this year right quinnen williams got his deal with the jets so that market has shifted um i understand by chris jones wants to be at the top of that market. He is in that very rare group of um elite defensive tackles. And not just for him, like he's he's not just like a defensive tackle, right? I mean, he's like a do everything, can line up basically anywhere on the line, is as good at getting interior pressure. You can line him up at edge. It's not his best position. We've we've seen that uh over over the last couple of years when Spagnolo's tried that, but um he gets pressure as a defensive tackle better than anybody at his position outside of Aaron Donald. And that is really, really valuable. And I get why he wants to get paid. Um, And like, they got to do it. What are, what are they going to do defensively if you don't have Chris Jones and he seems willing to,
0: they don't have to do it because if he's asking for a ton of money and they've got a lot of expensive players to pay, they can't do it. Are they going to trade him? I don't know. It depends how seriously Chris Jones takes this. Um, One of the problems with, frankly with winning a super bowl is you can't tell guys that this is the last dance like they're good they've got rings they just want if 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 he wants a lot of guaranteed money like, then that's what he wants like there's no carrot there to dangle yes there's no carrot there to dangle it's and by the way like i get that and and uh players understand that most players stay the hell out of the out of the way when other guys are looking for money because they understand that so this is rough this really is rough and and i don't i think we're getting to a point now where this this should be one of the biggest doors in football i mean and
1: unlike jonathan taylor and trey lance there will be a trade market for chris jones like dozens of teams right would be making a call
0: to of course, Chris Jones. and offer real picks. So essentially, he said he's willing to continue his holdout until week eight. Obviously, once his contract to toll, and he's willing to forfeit his weekly $1.1 $1. $1 million game checks. That's how much I get paid to pod, and I would never skip one. So, um, all right. Pete Tham will talk to friend of the show, Caleb Williams, uh, who was on this show last month. Caleb Williams said he's undecided or hasn't thought or hasn't committed. All sorts of things. He just isn't sure that he's going pro next season. Lindsey, how big of a lie is this?
1: I mean, it's less of a lie now that players, college players can get some money and can get paid, but oh, it's now, yeah, of course, it's,
0: it's the first player to ever get paid in college was on July 1st, 2021.
1: This is, this is Kayla Williams starting to lay the groundwork for, I don't want to play for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> That's what this is.
0: Um, so he could pull an Andrew Luck. He could pull an Andrew Luck. And as we remember, Andrew Luck could have been a Carolina Panther. Everybody I think is probably pretty happy with how that all worked out. Uh, Peyton Manning did that with the New York jets. If we remember, he just said, I'm actually good. Um, difference is that, um, Caleb Williams, first of all, uh, is playing for, a quarterback factory in Lincoln Riley. He's at USC. He has understood the business part better than any college athlete. I think anywhere. Um, although you hear some NIL rumors and you wonder, uh, if they're not absolute moguls down at the college level, there's some smart, smart cookies down there. Um, but it feels like going from DC to Oklahoma to play for a Lincoln Riley, having a father, uh, who is in sort of the sports world, right? Um, having transferred to USC to maximize everything to follow his coach feels like everything is part of a big master plan with Caleb Williams. Um, he's a sharp guy. We, he would not take the bait when Solak and I asked him about Patrick Mahomes comparisons. Like he's actually, to me, this felt less like I'm unsure and more like, I don't want to create a headline, um, which is the first step towards becoming a pro football player which he will be this time next year yeah
1: you, he's not just holding out because he like really wants that road trip to Penn State in November
0: Penn State is gonna well, let me tell you something they're gonna be begging for Penn State road trips we're talking about West Lafayette Indiana how fair, fair Rutgers some kid from uh some kid from Georgia to, committed to USC yesterday and I saw that and I was like that kid is gonna be in Champaign Illinois Playing a road game, playing a road conference game in Champaign, Illinois. Um, yeah, Caleb Williams. Barring, I mean, it's funny because with Stroud and Young last year, we went through all of this stuff. Where this time last year, it's like the it's a it's like the curve meme. Where it's like this time last year, it was going to be Bryce Young one, CJ Stroud two. They went through the season. It's also it's a crazy rumors. There's Will Levis stuff. There's Anthony Richardson stuff, all of this stuff. And at the end of the road, guess what it was? Bryce Young and C.T. Stroud won two. And so with these quarterbacks now, there's almost like a wisdom of the crowds thing. And maybe it's just because they're so developed, but everyone says Caleb Williams, Drake May. My guess is we have the same sort of thing where someone's, you know, Riley Leonard's stock is rising or there's a story that, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. could go first overall or second overall or whatever. They could, the the Cardinals might have the first two picks. They might split it and go with Marvin Harrison. Let me tell you what's probably going to happen. Caleb Williams is going to go number one and Drake May is probably going to go number two. Can Riley Leonard or somebody like that get in the top 10? Sure. Um, Can Bo Nix? Sure. Um, There's a lot of those guys who I think have... That, absolutely. If somebody needs a tight end. So... Um, there's talent all over the place. Um, the young man, speaking of Penn state, who was, would have been a top 10 pick this year, the offensive lineman, um, that there, there's guys like that all over the place. Jared verse who stayed at, at Florida state. Um, that's what NIL has wrought is that, uh, in a good way is that these guys can take, uh, local business donations and, uh, and stay for an extra year. I've heard some of the numbers lower than you'd think. That's all I'll say about uh, that.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, I think that's kind of one of the like dirty secrets of good it. money.
0: I'm saying good money. Not good NFL money, but though. not NFL money. But for not there not are NFL. some guys close. who
1: are making a lot of money, but the majority of college athletes are like making enough money that it helps them like eat
0: and go to the movies. <laughs> do people go I, Do kids go, go to the movies? Say, I don't know. I would say that the going rate to keep someone out of the NFL who would be. I, no, I'm not. I I I wouldn't even begin to know what keeping someone at the top five would be. Right? Like, I, I wouldn't even know what the price tag is for Caleb Williams, or whatever. But from what I understand, the price tag to keep someone out of the draft is high six figures. Like, because these guys want to stay. These guys want to stay anyway. If you want to go and make eight million dollars, you go. But I don't. I, the guys who who from what I who were like, eh, I might go. I might not. Like at a high six figures. I haven't really heard like. Oh, so-and-so staying out of the draft. Now, I've heard millions of dollars stuff for guys who stayed out of the portal. That's a separate thing. I'm talking about the guys who liked their school, wanted to stay. Those numbers are a little lower than maybe I I thought. Just a a thing I heard. You just hear things, you know? Just walking around beautiful Westchester County. People people stop me on the street and tell me what what the going going rate is. Westchester
1: really strikes me as like an NIL hotbed.
0: It is an NIL hotbed. Yep, the bagel spots. The coffee joint, the coffee, the coffee I've got in my hand right here. They're just giving out NIL everywhere to, to, to wear like you, army. I was going to gonna say, what's
1: your... because closest school is army by far. I was going to think like UConn. I don't know where the.
0: No army. I'm going to I'm going to go to an army football game this year. I'm really excited about it. I don't know when I haven't thought about it. They're playing B.C. Well, text text our old friend Roger Sherman and maybe October. you guys can go together. Make a road. We trip almost went. But so Roger, Uh, I have hung out with Roger. Um, but sometimes I'm like, "Hey, Roger, let's go do this." Like with Nora Princiati, for instance, who also lives in New York, and uh, those plans rarely, I'd say, with with Roger, come to fruition. Well, well he's committed pl- to going to a lot of college football Roger games, thing. so
1: yes, there's sure openings, right?
0: But uh, and so uh, I wanted to go to an Army Wake Forest game two years ago, and we ended up going, and then ended up being like the game of the year. It was like one of those fifty-three fifty type deals over up in West Point. But I'm going to go this year probably to the BC game. We'll put a pin in it. Uh last thing, Lindsey Jones. Everybody's canceling joint practices because of fights. I don't know. There's way too many fights. There's a Colts Eagles fight. Jason Kelsey's in the middle because he took exception to a to a Gainwell uh a cheap shot on Gainwell's knees, I guess. The Saints and the Texans cancel their joint practice because they they felt like it was the best in the best interest. I'm not really sure where that, that's coming from. Jets and Bucks. Uh, canceled the second day. Part of that was because of, of fights. Things are getting testy. Uh, our joint practices going out of style. Instead?
1: It seems like it. Um, but this isn't new. I mean, teams fighting during joint practices. is not new. We had a very long discussion about this a couple of weeks ago, our favorite training camp fights. And we didn't talk about the one from like two years ago where maybe even last year where Aaron Donald against the Bengals was like swinging helmets. That was a really good one. Um, mhm-. So the reason that there was this huge proliferation of joint practices over the last few years is because there was a lot of coaches, notably led by Sean McVay. And there's been a lot of like, Sean McVay has done something and it looks really smart, so we're going to copy them. Um, And also I think like Belichick, Rabel, like that kind of tree has done, done it too. But McVay especially... They decided that they could get much better work done in joint practices than they could do in preseason games and their starters got much more valuable reps going against another team's starters in, you know, ones versus ones, their quarterbacks could get a lot more work. Their backups could get a lot more work. Um, and then they didn't feel like they had to play their starters in the preseason games. Um, but now what's happening is that this isn't just, it's just not valuable work anymore. And that's why they're going to stop doing it if they're not getting the actual football value of it because guys want to fight too much. They're getting mentally drained by all the travel. It was one of the things that Belichick said after their trip to Green Bay last week was that it was just like too much on the team, and like they would have been much better served mm-hmm. to keep them keep their guys fresh and engaged and mentally ready and everything to just stay at home rather than flying to Green Bay and all that entails. Um, so, yep, I think we're just seeing it swing the other way.
0: The biggest drain for me is the travel, um, especially in the middle of training camp. I think it makes sense, and I saw this the other day, Commanders and Ravens practicing right. makes all the sense in the world. You drive up, 45 minutes, you're there, everything is fine. If you're in New England, be really hard. I mean, maybe you could do it with the Giants just down the road. It's a four-hour drive. You could just do one night somewhere, take the plane, whatever. But then what, the Bills are four hours away. Can't do joint practice with them. They're in the division. Like, it gets really tough. Um, and so geographically, it makes sense. It's the Rams and the chargers, for instance, or the, or the Cowboys, which they have done. Um, that makes sense to me. Vegas is just down the road. Um, if you're, if you're an, an, an NFC team. And so I understand that part of it, but I don't understand. I think playing road games takes you out of your element anyway. And I've heard people, and I'm sure you have too people inside the building at, at these places who are like, it's a nightmare to be on the road for a joint practice. You're on, you're taking like school buses everywhere. There's, there's nowhere you're, to shower. The schedules are yeah. all screwed. There's nowhere to shower if they're screwed up. Every, there's not enough meeting space. You're in the damn lobby talking about scheme stuff. I, I don't, I'm surprised it's gotten as popular as it has given the limitations. Yeah, It
1: needs to be like something that's special. Like, you know, if it's a really good situation, but just to do them, just to do, you know, doing them just to do it no longer really makes a ton of sense. Um and now it's making the preseason games a little bit more watchable because guys are uh, playing in the preseason. And the horses are running Let's in the jump, preseason. We'll be back
0: We'll be back next week. You will give us an update on Lena and her appreciation for Broncos mascots and also I mean like it's not just the horse. I mean I'll I'll, it's gonna I'll be get her like... takes
1: on Russell Wilson.
0: Sure, but it's going to be like lots of horse adjacent stuff. Like there's going to be the mascot. There's going to be lots of horse, obviously logos around. Like I think she's going to have a great time. She
1: has. And we've taken her to a couple games before. And I know that the horses are the main attraction. So um, the the only caveat is that um, outside of like pregame, you only get to see the horse if they score, which has kind of been an issue Mm. in these parts. Pressure's on.
0: Pressure's on Big Russ. Thank you to Richie Bozick for production help. We will see you soon next Wednesday. This has been Sloan News the Ringer Podcast Network.